It's episode 857 of the Roadman Cyclone Podcast. Today I want to talk about, do nice guys always finish last? Let's cue that intro! Welcome to the Roadman Cycling Podcast. My name is Anthony Walsh. Six days a week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you on your journey towards health, happiness, and longevity. Now let's get into the show. Today's show sponsor is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. Now, we all know I've been drinking AG1 as part of my morning routine for months now, and it makes me feel like I'm giving my body something good first thing in the morning to get the day started on the right foot, an early win. For me, the fact that it supports my immune system has been a game changer. Every week, I'm pushing my body to its limits, and to be honest, getting sick used to be a big part of my season that I just accepted. So frustrating to put so much effort in, reach a target event, and then get sick. But AG1 has helped me build a really healthy foundation. Even if you're not racing, training, and competing like me, but you want better gut health, a boost in energy, immune system support, increased mental clarity and focus, and to give your body the nutrition that it so badly craves, you need to be getting on board with AG1 and its 75 high-quality ingredients. It's a small, easy habit that delivers massive benefits and helps just about everybody take great care of their health. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash roadman. That's drinkag1.com forward slash roadman and check out this amazing offer. Details are all in today's show notes. Roadman, Sepp Kuss has won the Vuelta a España and Jumbo Visma have become the first team in history to win all three Grand Tours in a single season and they finished it off in style with a clean sweep of the podium in Madrid. Sepp Kuss standing proudly on top with his quote-unquote faithful lieutenants, Jonas and Primos, occupying the second and third steps. Sepkos is widely acclaimed to be one of the nicest guys in the modern professional peloton. A criticism I've heard leveled at him. A little bit odd to hear nicest guy and criticism in the same sentence, but this is the sporting world in which we occupy. I've heard this criticism leveled at him that he's too nice to win a Grand Tour. Well, I'm glad that's put to bed, but today I want to explore this idea. Why do nice guys often finish last? I'm sure it's an expression you've heard yourself. I want to examine whether having a rootless streak can give you an advantage, not just in cycling, but in wider context in sport and life in generally. What does it mean to be rootless in sports? Well, it often refers to this almost predatory drive to win at all costs. But this approach isn't confined to the bunch. This can bleed into our everyday lives, including our jobs, our relationships, and even our health journey. Some of the sporting greats, some of the goats, they had a really undesirable side. Close to home here, Roy Keane is a really obvious example for soccer fans. But are these nasty streaks, is that necessary for victory? And if so, what are the actual costs, the hidden costs of those victories? Michael Jordan is often cited as one of the greatest athletes and definitely the greatest basketball player of all time. His career is the epitome of ruthlessness. Starting from that infamous high school cut when he didn't make the grade as high school basketball team, instead of sulking, he used that setback as a fuel to outwork everyone else. 
Jordan didn't just stop though at honing his skills. He got into the heads of his opponents. Sometimes he was using real, but other times he was using imagined slights to motivate himself. If you take the infamous 1992 NBA Finals game against the Portland Trailblazers, Jordan felt slighted that people were comparing him to Clyde Drexler, Portland's star player. He internalised this perceived disrespect and he unleashed a scoring onslaught, including an unforgettable sequence of six three-pointers in the first half of the game. Jordan looked over to the announcer's table and he famously shrugged as if he couldn't even explain like his own magic and his own brilliance, like, like his hands were nearly the hands of God or something. He used psychological tactics like these to assert dominance and to intimidate opponents regularly all through his career. His work ethic is absolutely legendary, this notion that he was the first one to practice and the last one out, even after he'd achieved massive levels of success. He worked on different aspects of his game every year in the off-season, whether that's actual technical stuff like improving his defence or even developing a reliable three-point shot later in his career or strength and conditioning aspects. Jordan's relentlessness, though, it wasn't without its downside. His intensity and his drive to win, it strained relationships all around him. It strained personal relationships, relationships with teammates and relationships with friends. He, the legendary time he had a bust up on the court with uh, Steve Kerr during practice. I think they had a disagreement over a scrimmage. And if you've watched the last dance documentary you'll know he ended up punching Steve Kerr in this and several of his teammates in that documentary came out and they talked about him just not being a nice guy and the emotional toll of playing alongside somebody who was so relentlessly competitive. We often forget that a level of stress accompanies that unyielding drive. Jordan briefly retired from basketball after the tragic death of his father and he cited feeling mentally exhausted. The pressures to continually perform at a otherworldly level year in, year out, are strains that most of us can't even imagine. We can't wrap our heads around it. But it's important to understand that while ruthlessness can lead to unparalleled achievements, it also comes with hidden costs that can affect our mental health, it can affect our physical health and our happiness. If you're on the kind of win at all costs, track yourself at the moment. I would highly encourage you to just take a moment and press pause, whether you go out for a weekend away and unplug and just take some time to reflect on this current path. What are you willing to trade for success? Look closely at the life of retired champions. Have a look at Bradley Wiggins. Bluntly assess whether the juice is worth the squeeze. Because what we call success, what society is labelling success, this is not an objective measurement. Success has to be different for each of us. Sport will chew you up and spit you out. And you can replace sport with career will chew you up and spit you out. And you'll chase somebody else's version of success all through life. Only to pause and realise that's their version of success and not your version of success. I've seen a lot of friends build huge companies. But in the process of building these huge companies, they've actually lost themselves. If you build this amazing company and you get a 100 million euro exit from the end of your company, amazing, you've objectively achieved success. You've ticked that box. You're successful in the eyes of them. But if you zoom out and now you're alone, you're depressed, you're unhealthy, you're anxious, is that what success really looks like to you? Are you currently on that path? Pause and think on it. Lance Armstrong is a sporting example very close to home for us as bike riders. Armstrong's win-at-all-cost mentality led him down a path of 
doping, deception and bullying. His downfall reminds us that a ruthless approach taken to the extremes it risks not just public humiliation, but it also risks your own sense of integrity. These remarkable win-at-all-costs athletes have gained much in terms of material gain and sporting accolades, but they've also lost so much on this journey. The ruthless mindset, while effective in the short term, it can compromise long-term well-being. When it comes to longevity, when it comes to the quality of your life, the ruthless path often brings hidden costs. Hidden costs like a deterioration in your mental health fractured personal relationships and ethical dilemmas. So is there a middle ground? Can you be ruthless in moderation? Being strategically ruthless means harnessing that killer instinct when necessary, but also knowing when to dial it back for the sake of your physical and mental well-being. It's about finding a balance between the drive to succeed and the wisdom to understand that some victories, like a life well-lived, can't be measured in trophies, medals, and cash in the bank account. My hope from Sepp Kuss's victory is that ruthless in moderation is possible at the very top levels of sport. And if it's still possible in sport, I think us mortals should be chasing it in our lives too. I'd like to finish out with a quote, as I sometimes do, from the great Stoic philosopher Seneca. True happiness is to enjoy the moment without anxious dependence upon the future, not to amuse ourselves with either hopes or fears, but to rest satisfied with what we have, which is sufficient, for he that is so wants nothing. For anyone who's not a Stoic student, I'm going to interpret that quote to finish today's podcast. In the context of today's topic, this quote reminds us and it reminds me that ruthless moderation, it might just be about enjoying the journey, enjoying the process and the present moment without being consumed by the insatiable desire for more. The key to long-term health, happiness and longevity could very well be finding satisfaction in what we already have while pursuing our goals with thoughtful intensity. Roman, thank you for tuning in. Be mindful and be cautious in the goals you pursue. Until tomorrow, ride safe. Talk to you then.